welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? Ali, uh, after seeing what just happened in week 17 and the results that we've got coming into wildcard round, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to catch my breath as early as I can here in the a.m. hours here on the, uh, the beautiful, beautiful uh, non-coastal region of Nevada. But here we are. Yeah, it's rainy here in Southern California, but it just seemed like yesterday. It started out a little crazy in the morning, then got crazier in the afternoon. And then by the night game, I was just blown away by the amount of crazy that unfolded in front of me, especially in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter in that game. But before we get into the games, let's talk about the betting trends. I did very well in my picks over the weekend. I was 12-4 and against the spread, probably my best week of the year i finished first place in one of my office pools that we pick against the spread every year i get there were 40 peoples i finished in first the other one i tied for first with uh, about there was about 30 people in that league so i had a great picking year but robert what are we looking at for the betting trends over the week what were over versus unders favorites versus underdogs you know ali we, we we tend to kind of rush through this part of our segment and I'm not going to do it this time. Yeah. For, 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 our, for our listeners, again, this is something that we've been doing for a while. Ali, tip of every hat that I have on an incredible season. It was now, my, probably my best one yet. And I've won, so, I won the pool last year, but my win percentage wasn't as high. I think in ESPN, I'm ranked currently 129th out of thousands and thousands of people who participated in the pigskin pick'em over the year. So next year, we, we need to ensure for our listener at home that we can have some way, uh, even more, whether it's to our blog or something, we, we have to have a way for our listener to see your picks. You're yeah. giving out really great info. This is fantastic. Yeah, I do. Uh, our, uh, for our listeners that don't know, I do a weekly column on Fridays of my top five picks against the spread. So I pick yes. five that I'm really confident on. I do a Thursday night pick, a Sunday night pick. But yeah, I agree, Robert. You and I, it's one thing to listen to the podcast, but I know people are busy. They might not get through the entire episode. But yeah, next year we're going to, Robert and I are going to lay out all of our picks and everything if we decide to change them Saturday, Sunday morning, because that does happen. Injuries happen before the game spreads change. Then we'll update it. But yeah, I agree with you, Robert. We need to, we need to do that next year. And so fine, all on the basis of what we just discussed, uh, for the week that was week number 18 favorites went 12 and four straight up against the 12 and 12 and four straight up however the dogs still led eight seven with one push against the spread with upsets by the texans panthers commanders and lions uh titans giants chargers and rams all covered in straight up losses pushed by the Bengals. Uh, we closed them as an 11 point favorite home teams 10 and 2 straight up but road teams were 10 5 and 1 against the spread unders when we look at our totals, uh, the games went under once again. Shocker, nine and seven there wow. to go under. Uh, and now, how do we finish the regular season? Uh, this this one's the best. This 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 one just says everything we need to know. So one seventy five ninety and two straight up on the season with four pickums, but dogs led one forty one one eighteen and eight pushes against the spread. That's fifty four point four percent. That is a winning season. Home teams. Led 147, 116, and two straight up with six neutral site games. But road teams led 130, 128, and seven. Unders led 149, 119, and three. That's 55.6%. With primetime unders, the games that we all watch, 35, 19, and one. That's almost 65% against the spread. That's amazing. And Robert and I, we emphasize every week, you always hear the show. If you're listening to the show, you always hear we love our underdogs. I am a big underdog better. And that percentage may not seem high, 54% with underdogs, but the best betters in Vegas barely reach over 50% of their winnings. So that is significant when you make your bets. I know that favorites might seem like the safe bet, but a lot of times they really aren't the safe bet. They're the safe bet for public betters because that's what everyone thinks. But in reality, they're not. Can you agree, Robert? I completely agree. Yep. Well, let's not waste any time because this is going to be a busy show. And Robert and I, we're going to have two special episodes this week because there's a lot of 
uh, games coming on over the weekend. So, Robert, we're going to do an AFC preview for all the AFC wildcard games, and then we're going to do a separate NFC show. Would that sound good to you? Love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into the games yesterday, and let's start with the biggest one, which was last night. Everyone was watching Packers and Lions. Packers needed to win to get in. Lions, they were pretty much out of it after the Seahawks won. And, Robert, I was – I can't say I was shocked with how the Lions, they stepped up, they played like they wanted to get into the playoffs because Dan Campbell has had his team playing like that all year. But what I can say I was shocked with seemed to be the lack of effort by the Packers. Can you agree? I look, It's so hard from just from just watching what we saw to say how, you know, was this play mailed in? Was this quarter mailed in? Yeah. You could point to some of the, I mean, Texans and Colts, right? Two, two a game that really, honestly, they should have lost, and right. yet they're they're putting in max efforts. I just, the game that I watched was one that really I predicted was going to go in that direction. I th- I really thought that the Lions were going to have not any issues at all running the ball, and right. they didn't. Uh, but I, I didn't think that we were going to see a result in the teens. Uh, from Green Bay. That was the thing that shocked me the most. Right. I t- I kept my pick with the lines and the points, even though my both my pick and leaks cover- started at four and a half and they stayed at four and a half because they lock on, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday of the week. But did we see a line shift, a spread shift after the Seahawks lost or was it too close to kickoff? No, no, it, it was it was not right around kickoff because the the betters, they started to smell blood in the water far far earlier and we closed that game green bay six and a half wow uh which is where it was probably so the game kicked at 520 pacific we got to that number by 1245 wow we got the, yeah we got there we got there quite early yeah i would say when i watched the game it was kind i wasn't at halftime it was the it was the drive right after halftime where I thought that the Packers are going to lose this game. They, they right. had every chance in the world in the first half to extend the lead. They just kept settling for field goals. Mason Crosby had a huge miss that hit the crossbar. Yes, I guess Crosby crossbar, perfect name for him. <laughs> but then it just seemed like the team didn't play with a sense of urgency. And then you had some just weird, bizarre calls. I mean, Robert, you know, you had the Packers guy, Douglas, just walked in the middle of the trench when they were about to kick the field goal, and that allowed the Lions to get the first down. I don't know what happened there. Then, obviously, Quay Walker at the end of the game just was the stupidest thing you could have did, just shoved one of the Lions' training staff. I mean, was this is this an an indication of how poorly this team is coached because – Matt LaFleur has been getting criticism for, since he's pretty much taken over. Do you think this is a coaching problem and how he has created this environment? No, I didn't think about that. Uh, but now that you mention it, maybe that's exactly what it is. Because the Packers are comp- immensely talented. Great, great key players at, at top positions. Just incredible athletes. And there was just mental errors that were happening that I just couldn't really say, wait, this doesn't make sense. Because we just saw their best just a week previous and the week previous before that to get to where we are. You needed to win and you're in the playoffs. That's exactly what you needed. Now, was there a deficiency? There was, right? On the defensive side, they were definitely prone to giving up big, big chunk yards uh, to anyone that was going to rush properly. That's 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 what we saw. But there, there were also key moments where, you know, secondary was falling asleep. Uh, passes that were that I thought could have been caught that weren't. Yep, Dobbs dropped a few. I saw that. Yeah, it was just, it was just really, I don't know. I mean, I, from a better's perspective, if you've got the dog, you're you're, you're thrilled. Uh, but if you're just a, a Packers fan, you're, you're really wondering what's going to happen next. I think the lasting moment from this game is Aaron Rodgers' face after he threw that interception that ultimately sealed the win for the Lions. Ah, uh, right. That yeah. was. The minute he let it go, I said that was getting intercepted. It's completely <laughs> underthrown. And I forget if it was Watson or whoever was the target. Right, but right. he wasn't even open. It was like a desperation pitch. I, I, I better. But to, to emphasize on that, Robert, what does that 
mean for Aaron Rodgers' future? Is, is he staying with the Packers still? Is, are we going to have another offseason of should the Packers trade him? Is he going to retire? What do you think? Oh, of course, we're going to absolutely start that train up right now. Uh, it, it's to his brand benefit to get his name out there all the time. And to be honest, I, I, there's nothing left to prove here. I mean, there was really nothing left to prove last year. Uh, so, th- I, honestly, he could he could probably start to go and you know, start talking to his agent and and see what's the next best stop. Um, you know, we'll we'll definitely go ahead and start throwing darts for you and I uh, <laughs> as to where every quarterback's going to land on the carousel. But I don't think that there's anything left to prove in Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think Nathaniel Hackett returns as offensive coordinator because he's 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 available? In high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think his NFL days are done. But, <laughs> you know, in, in all seriousness, it was a disappointing game from the Packers. It just seemed like Aaron Rodgers' moment. You're playing at home in Green Bay. I think they showed a statistic at one point that the Lions were 28-3 and three since 1992 playing in Green Bay. And you, you allowed the biggest game that the Lions have ever played, probably in Green Bay, just to slip through your hands. You had the lead in the fourth quarter. You blew it. But before we, we lament any more on the Packers, because we have plenty of offseason to do that, and I want to get into more important stuff in a bit. But let's talk about the Lions, because I've been a Lions backer all year. I really love this team. I really like what Dan Campbell has done. Are they the team to look out for next year, Robert? Right, and so I look at, so a very short answer is yes, no no doubt about it. Super dynamic, great offense. Uh, you know what I really love is we we've barely seen you know the the tip of the iceberg of of um, uh, Jameson Williams. He's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to have a really great career. Uh, great running attack between uh, Swift and Williams. I, I, how many touchdowns has Williams had this year? He it's Barry Sanders' record. <laughs> So they're they're really great. They're young. Uh, it's just this league, Ali. <laughs> this league is incredible. I think that they're going to be uh, playoff bound next year. Yep. Uh, and I really think that the only thing holding them back from winning the division, which means jumping Minnesota, is <clears throat> just more consistency. Their defense, you know, I mean, early in our football season, you know, we we kind of like laugh and say okay well great you know we know that the lions to beat the lions you got to score 30 points but at the same time uh you, you know they're going to give up 30 so you know they've got room for improvement themselves obviously they're you know they're out of the playoffs this year but i think that they're not that many steps away from becoming you know division champions uh, let's let's start off with that yeah, I agree with you. The defense definitely made strides as the season kept going on. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a perennial footballer, I think. Yeah. Kirby Joseph, he picked off Aaron Rodgers three times this season, Robert. And he would have been in fourth, but it got negated because I believe there was there was either a defense, there was a face mask, I think. But otherwise, that that he would have had four interceptions on Aaron Rodgers this year. So I think the Lions are in good position. If I know my brother's a Lions fan. He was really bummed when Seattle won, but he did. He was happy that they beat the Packers. It's a lot to look forward to next year. Jamison Williams, you mentioned he should have had that long touchdown, but a holding penalty negated that one. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna have a bright future. Him and Amon Ra, I think, are just gonna be an incredible one-two punch. So, Lions fans, you know, I know you have to wait a year, but at least you have a ton of picks in the draft. Stock up on defense, and we'll see you. You guys probably in the playoffs next season. Agree. All right, let's move on to the game that ended the Lions season hopes, and that was the Rams and the Seahawks. Rams plus six was one of my top picks of the week. I actually put a little money on the Rams money line. I thought that they would beat the Seahawks. It looked like they were for a while, but the Seahawks just, they took over for some just really boneheaded mistakes that the Rams made. Robert, is this the end for Sean McVay? Is he going to step away for the Rams this year? Uh, that one, no. I don't believe that he will. I think that what we saw was just a season that was doomed from the start, Ali. I, re- I it was just not meant to be. And you know, sure they showed signs of of promise, but there's they had way too many holes. Uh, look, they're incredibly talented. I think they've got a really good core of players. 
But I mean, look, the bottom bottom line is, you know, when you go five and twelve at the season, including just one win on the road for the entire year, there's there's not many highlights that you could point to, uh, and and, f- and figure out exactly what needs to be done for next year, Ali. Well, I mean, we could break that down as well and say to yourself, well, uh, you know, it's the NFC West, it's San Francisco's division, uh, but how could we turn? you know, five and 12 into, you know, nine wins, 10 wins. I don't know if there's that many steps that they need to do. I don't think a gutting of the entire team is necessary. Uh, you know, there, there's, you know, questions, of course, at quarterback, but, you know, most teams have that already. They've got acres, you know, he's, he's going to be very, very good for next year. Uh, and Ali, I mean, they were without Cooper cup for almost the whole year. Right. But they had their problems before Cooper Cup went down. We, we were Fair. seeing struggle. So let me ask you this, because I agree with you. I, I don't think I think it's an emotional time for Sean McVay, but I think he's not going to be the coach that just abandons this team after one bad season. I think that he will be back. I see. I think he's still one of the premier coaches in this league, but he's going to have to make moves because they're not going to replenish the team through the draft. So let me ask you, are there any big name starters that they have that you think they would part ways with to get some draft picks or to get some younger guys? The question then is, are you are you in it to win the Super Bowl next year or just be competitive? My mindset is I want to win the Super Bowl every year. Uh, you know, and so you've got I mean, there's there's some really key players and I, I feel that obviously we just talked about cup Jalen Ramsey have we seen the best of him no, I, 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 he made that stupid play at the end I mean the they ended up missing that field goal but he had that bad um unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or an, an unnecessary roughness too he he hasn't had the best of seasons yeah no exactly so I I, I wonder if he's going to be back Donald you got to bring back yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's going to be the face of the franchise until he retires. How about Matthew Stafford, Allie? Uh is is that the quarterback LA is going to need and want? I don't think so because he's already shown he's injury prone even during the Super Bowl winning season. He struggled in both seasons with pick sixes. I think just yeah. everything came right for them that that Super Bowl season. I think Matt Stafford's best years are behind him. The question I have, Robert, is 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 a team willing to take a chance on him? He's coming back from a pretty big injury. Does he have any trade value? No, no, no. You're right. You're absolutely right. No, I, I don't think he does. I, I think many teams are are aiming for the stars. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll definitely play. You know that game. Obviously, I mean, look, Lamar Jackson never signed. <laughs> He never signed. Uh, Tom Brady's a free agent. Garoppolo's going to be a free agent. You know, and then there's a tier below them. You know, that includes, you know, Geno Smith. Uh, so there's there's going to definitely be movement, not to mention the incoming, uh, you know, class from from all colleges. So there's definitely going to be some, some new starters for next football season. But you're right. Uh, I don't think if I'm a team in search of a quarterback that uh, – you know, right now, I, I it's to be honest, I, I don't think that we're looking at Matthew Stafford as as one of those options. Let me ask you this, because I was just going through it in my head. Could a team like the Jets take a shot with Stafford as long as the Rams take Zach Wilson off their hands and we'll give you, you know, a second, maybe third round pick? Is that a, a possibility? Yes. If So, OK, if I'm if I'm, you know, the Jets, I'm saying that that's that's good. Let's do that. You're right. Very good point. Yeah, that's that's one team I could see because, you know, the Jets have the team, but they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Let's quickly turn to the Seahawks as I know we kind of just brushed aside him and they did get the seventh seed. It was a long road for them. It looked like the last few weekends they wouldn't get there. But fortunately, the Lions stepped up. I think that they should be buying everyone in Detroit a beer today because (laughs) they they did make the playoffs and Detroit took down the Packers. Robert, that game yesterday, even though the Seattle Seahawks pulled out the win, I didn't think they were impressive whatsoever. How about you? No, they didn't, right? And so if we dig a little deeper into the box score, which I like to do quite a bit the next morning, I mean, they got 
more first downs, 22 to 14. Uh, but they were only 1 4 11 on third downs. Uh, in, in Despite the 400 yards of total offense, it's just they, they weren't able to finish. They weren't able to, to take all of those yards and convert them. I mean, to get only 19 points, uh, including three uh, in the fourth quarter and only three in overtime is, is very, very disappointing. Just to take, they've just playing so lethargic. It just didn't really figure out if they just did enough to beat them. I mean, they, they similar boat, Ali. They needed this game. They needed this to make it into the, I mean, they, they're, they're in now, but, uh, you know, 197 rushing yards is fantastic, uh, but they they really really were lacking in their third down efficiency, and I think that that's that really you need to figure out before you you know even start to take a look at your next game coming up here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I think that they're a one and done. I don't think that there's any way they beat the 49ers this week. I mean, crazier things have happened in the playoffs, so I'm not going to totally say 100 percent they lose. But I've said the last few weeks, I didn't think they were impressive. And Robert, if you look at since since they lost, in, well, including that loss to Tampa Bay in Germany, the Seahawks, Seahawks only have three wins since then. They beat the Rams twice. Like they needed they needed to beat a team that was starting John Wolford and Baker Mayfield twice just to get into the playoffs. And they needed they needed everything else to happen. I'm not personally impressed by this team. I don't know what they end up let, let me ask you this actually. If they lose this game in the postseason to the Niners, which we all expect them to lose, does Geno Smith get a long-term deal? Or is Seattle saying we have the goods? Let's get an actual quarterback. No, no, Ali, the former, please. I really think that they had almost zero expectations, you know, secretly behind closed doors. Look, they're saying, let's just have a good year. Let's get to 500. That's I honestly think that because they had no idea how the transition was going to go from Russell Wilson, but I, I think they've got their quarterback. I really do to, to watch Geno Smith do the run option. He's got the whole entire system down now. It, I mean, Ali, are we the only ones that are pointing out that Munich was it? <laughs> That's the spot where everything changed. They never should have went to Germany. Yeah. yeah. Is that going to be our postmortem on their season? You guys never should have gone to Germany. Why'd you do it? No. Now you came back. You're a different team. Uh, But I just look, I think that if we could get Tyler Lockett back, right, and then Metcalf's there, uh, their, their running game clearly where there were little expectations after penny we saw that kenneth walker was you know because i remember him in college he was ridiculous and and it translated and it translated very well so their key offensive players are there now let's go and build upon that uh and keep that same uh that same system in place because it worked just it was inconsistent so continue to find the pieces that you need to Number one, absorb the injuries that will come. And two, uh, are able to translate well into the system that, you know, that's built in there for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I, I, I'll disagree with you on that because I've never been a Geno Smith fan. Just I, not that I haven't liked him. I just, I, I never thought he lived up to his potential. He did. He did impress me this year. He did falter a little bit in the last few games. He didn't really have a great game yesterday. I think that the guy's 30 something years old. What is he? 32 years old. He doesn't have another long-term contract in him after the next one he's going to get. I think he's going to be looking in the range of a four or five year deal, which is absurd. I don't think any team's going to give him that, but I fear that he's going to try to negotiate his worth higher than he is. And Seattle's basically going to say, we have other options available and we're going to move on for you. Is that fair to say? This one is another episode, Ali, that I want to circle for us because we're going to go opposite directions on this one. I want to see how this ends up. I really like what Geno Smith has done. Now, look, everyone, look, I'm all in favor. You go get yours, everybody. Go get yours. Uh, But I think that the best home for Geno Smith is Seattle. And so um, I, I really think that it's in his best interest to remain there and succeed uh and seattle uh it's on you guys 
go ahead and pay this kid. He's definitely worth it. Let me ask you this. Who, if you're the Seattle Seahawks general manager, who would you rather see quarterbacking your team next year between Geno Smith and Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> I knew I'd get you on something. Oh, good, you did. No, no. Geno Smith. I'd Gino go Smith. Jimmy. I just. I know, I know. I completely understand. But now, by going to Garoppolo, you have to change your offensive scheme. True. Very true. You need to have more run. You have to. You have to. Good thing. The thing that worries me, you, you've looked at quarterbacks that have the, these great seasons in the past and then they amount to, to really just falling off the radar. I think a lot of Case Keenum when he led the Vikings to the NFC Championship <laughs> and he did that down. Or Brock Osweiler <laughs> with, the, with the Broncos and then he went and got a ridiculous contract with the Texans <laughs> and just didn't pan out. So I think Seattle, are, they, they have a smart front office. I mean, they traded Russell Wilson and they still made the playoffs. So I think that they they hold all the cards dealing with Geno Smith. I think that it's going to be some tense negotiations. I'm not about to make a prediction if he winds up back there or not, but I think that it's going to be... It's going to be a roller coaster offseason for them. So, but they're not there yet. They're still competing against the 49ers, and we'll talk more about that this week. All right, let's move on to the AFC and the Saturday night game, the Titans and the Jaguars. Robert and I both like the Titans with the points, which they did cover, but we'll get to that in a second. Robert, when I was watching that last drive that the Titans had that they fumbled and the Jaguars ended up scoring the go-ahead touchdown, I don't think I blinked for about 30 seconds. <laughs> what was your impression? <laughs> I mean, look, to, to remind, of course, Jacksonville, they only beat Tennessee by four. You know, they closed as a six-point favorite. Yards per play were pretty much square right down the middle. Uh, you know, Tennessee did have that fourth down failure. Uh, I don't know. I don't get it. Jacksonville had 222 yards of offense. <laughs> they only had 47 plays. They were outrushed. Ali, Ali, Jacksonville had 19 yards of rushing. <laughs> I don't know. Because... I was watching the game and I thought that Titans were in control the whole game. They they had the perfect game plan. They were executing it fine. Trevor Lawrence looked uncomfortable the entire night. He yes. Was wide yes. open guys. I think it was Zay Jones that was wide open in the end zone that he missed. I didn't think he looked impressive at all. But I haven't been high on the Jaguars all year. I thought they had a lot of like they did beat teams like the Ravens. They did beat teams like the Cowboys. Yes. Get to the Cowboys a little later, but it, it just seemed like Trevor Lawrence just reverted regressed in, in that game. And it was the biggest game of his career, but he got bailed out of, out of his defense. I think that if the Titans had anyone not named Joshua Dobbs who played very well or Malik Willis, I think if Ryan Tannehill's in that game, Robert, they win that game. What do you think? I think they win that game too. Uh, Dobbs, look, <laughs> Jaguars' last ten points came on a seven-yard drive for a field goal after Dob after the Dobbs interception, right? Right, and, and then that fumble return touchdown, which was completely ridiculous. Uh, you know, he he basically takes you know the knee in victory for me. This was a, a defensive win for Jacksonville. Yes, and they they did it. You know, I, I wonder if the same result would have been there. Tannehill would have been at quarterback. I think that Tennessee would have won this game uh, if, if Tannehill was was at the helm. But, you know, that's hindsight at this point. Um, Tennessee's got a long road to figure out what, what they right. want to do. And I'm not confident in the Jaguars right now at all. That was my next question. The Jaguars obviously have to yes. face the Chargers this week. They're already underdogs. They're home underdogs. Do you think that the Jaguars have any chance against the Chargers? Don't forget, they beat the Chargers early in the season, but the Chargers were missing half of their team. Do you think this is uh, one and done for Jacksonville? Yeah, I, I, I really do. Um, you know, my very early line, by early I mean, I said, ah, you know, I, I, I could put up the lines, and I did. I put up the lines for the wild card round last night. Uh, I, I wanted to sleep on it. But I said, let me just let me just put out a market price and see if I'm right. So everyone went to uh, Jacksonville pick uh, and 47 and a half against the Chargers for Saturday. I opened it up Chargers one um, and then a few other shops did join in uh, on that number. 
So we've had the Chargers as a one-point favorite right now with 47.5 being the total. I Look, the reason for concern for me is, you know, they're, they're going to be without Dwayne Smoot. Uh, you know, their pass rush is definitely not anywhere near the caliber that they need to be to win a championship. But, you know, Lawrence is going to be fantastic. He's he's definitely showing really great poise, despite what we saw yesterday. But he's still playing like, you know, a a fantastic quarterback in in his second, you know, in the second season, basically. So I I think if we look at this and we'll obviously break it down later, I, I think if I see a clean bill tonight for the chargers and, and that's been <laughs> kind of the question all season long with their injury report. Uh, I, I would love to say that the chargers got this one pretty easily, uh, but now there's Mike Williams and there's Bosa and I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's just injuries. Well, injuries that was always. my next question. Cause the chargers, they didn't rest their starters at all yesterday, which was essentially a meaningless game. They couldn't do any better seating than they had. And, Boza was taken off the field limping. Eckler was hurt. Do you think that was just careless coaching by Brandon Staley? Very, very. I think that was completely reckless. They didn't need to do any of that, really. Because now if Mike Williams says, you know what, that back injury is a lot worse than we expected. Even that, if we just stop right there, I'm already really angry. I'm I'm chewing metal right now if, if I'm a Chargers fan. What's funny is I remember watching the pregame show on Saturday and they were talking about the Giants resting all of their starters. And I think Rex Ryan was saying how dumb of a move it was and this and that. And all I was thinking was the workload that Saquon's had all year. I'd love for him to have a game off. Daniel Jones, this is his first year. He didn't miss a game with injury. I'd love for him not to risk injury. And I just thought it was crazy that they were saying you need to play your starters and, and anything. And then you see what happened, not only in, this game, but the Bucks game too. The Bucks had some injuries as well. So correct, right? I, I think that at least if you're going to play your starters, you play them for a quarter, take them out. But Staley had them in, I think, till about the fourth quarter. Am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, it, it's crazy, but uh, we'll get to we'll get to those later on. Let's talk quickly about the Titans because we we had the whole off season to talk about, but you did mention how they're going to be they got to figure out what they're going to do. And it obviously starts at quarterback. It seems like they don't think Malik Willis is ready. They had to sign a guy off the Detroit lions practice squad. Who's never made an NFL start in six years. Do you think that they are more apt to go after a free agent quarterback? Or do you think that they're going to look in the draft again? So really the question is, are they championship ready? Right. I do. I, I, I to, an- to answer that, I, I think they do. Uh, and so they should look towards free agency rather than through the draft. I could see a Derek Carr going there. They'll probably give Jimmy G a call, but I, Jimmy G wouldn't be a bad option because Jimmy G needs to go to a team that has a strong defense and a strong running game. I actually think that might be an interesting choice for him, but we'll get more to them when we talk later on in the offseason. Let's move on to the final game of the Jets and the Dolphins. The Dolphins needed the Patriots to lose to the Bills, which they did. The Dolphins needed a win. They somehow won despite not scoring a touchdown. It was probably one of the least entertaining games to watch, minus the last five seconds of the game when the safety occurred. But now we move on, and Miami has to play. I believe they're playing the Bills this weekend, correct, Robert? Yeah, so right now we've got, and and this one's, of course, you know, tons of questions. Uh, you know, Buffalo's going to be hosting Miami. I installed them as a 10.5-point favorite at home, and the total now is 44. Uh, but it just, I'm just looking at my, my ticket count already, and I don't have one Miami ticket on the spread. Spread, forget about the money line. So everyone's laying points already, uh, and that's, you know, clearly with, you know, it's Skylar Thompson is, is the matchup that, you know, that I have to you know think about right now. And so there's there's definitely going to be some line movement as we look at, you know, this game from today all the way to Sunday, the 15th. I was a little upset that the Jets didn't put forth more of an offensive effort because I actually would have liked to see the Steelers clinch. I thought the Steelers, they played great against the Browns yesterday. They really turned it on toward the end of the season. They played with a lot 
of adversity with Mike Tomlin, um, not Mike Tomlin, with Kenny Pickett coming up and really turning on the gear the last few weeks. But they really look like a good team. I really was would have liked to see them in the playoffs again, but the Dolphins did pull it out. Now, I'm going to skip over real quick with this because I don't think the Dolphins have any shot of upsetting the Bills with Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback. So here, let's let's already hit the elephant in the room. Does Tua return for this weekend's game, Robert? I'll say no. Uh, and very quickly, I'll say no. I don't want – okay, this is probably going to just be a – really unpopular take. I really want him to retire. I just do. I, I, I don't think that he's, he's, he's medically fit to play anymore. And, and this is just me saying it from, you know, 10,000 miles up in the air. When you're dealing with concussions and what he's had to deal with this year, he could say he's going to be great. Doctors will clear him. I just, I, I really don't, I, I really don't want him to get hurt again. And I don't think that he should be playing this weekend or ever again. I don't know what to make of this weekend because I didn't think he'd come back the first time as quickly as he did. There's a good chance. I think he does come back because the kid does want to play. I'm never going to fault someone with having heart and wanting to play. Sure. But I agree with you. This, this, Even if you beat the Bills, which I don't think they will, it is such a long, sh- grueling stretch to get to the Super Bowl. Teams really turn it up a notch in the playoffs. I think you're a thousand percent putting your long-term health at risk. We just saw the biggest scare of the NFL when Demar Hamlin had cardiac arrest last week. Tua, do yourself a favor: t- sit out, take the off season to to heal to to get healthy. I agree with you, Robert. I don't think he should force it. All right. Well, those are the four games that I did want to highlight. There were some all there were some other interesting games yesterday, but none of them really affected the playoffs. Actually, let's bring up the 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 Colts and the Texans, Robert. The Texans <laughs> would have had the first pick. Yeah. And they had a remarkable last second touchdown and a two point conversion that put them into the second overall pick. Listen, you play to win the game. I applaud the Texans for showing heart and for Lovey Smith too, he knew he, he had to have known he was getting fired. But what do you? How do you think this affects the NFL draft? Because now the Bears have the number one pick. They don't need a quarterback. Do you think that the number one pick gets traded? Wow, no, I I don't. Uh, I, I look, they, they obviously they're they're set at quarterback. That's just my opinion. Uh, but they they definitely need to now focus on his strengths. And maybe not look at the, the first gut is to say, well, you know, this this trade for um, their wideout, who's the kid from Pittsburgh? Uh, Thank you. I mean, the, he he hasn't showed much of anything. I, I don't I don't think that he's a right fit, which is incredible because they they traded a lot to get him. I, I don't think that he's he's the right fit for the no, offensive mold. Uh, but I think that they need to completely redevelop their pass rush uh, from the interior out and, you know, go from there because they, they can just, uh, Allie, I can blast a hole through the middle and have you pick up eight to 12 yards of carry against Chicago right now. I I think that they're, they need a lot of help from the defensive interior and that's where they should concentrate on, um, you know, in the draft and then through free agency. I agree with you. I actually didn't think it was that big of a deal. I have a friend that's a Texans fan that was uh, was actually rooting for her team to lose. But I said, <laughs> even if you don't get Bryce Young, there's CJ Stroud. You could still trade up. I, I didn't think, and uh, you know, we'll get when we talk about the draft. We'll get to that preview later with the prospects. But yes. I, I applaud the Texans for for really grinding it out because that's one team that really toward the end of the season did show a lot of heart. They really, they almost beat the the Cowboys. They had a close one with the Chiefs. So I give the Texans a lot of credit. All right. Well, that are, those are the games. Obviously we wanted to recap. Now it is Black Monday. So it's funny that it's raining in Southern California because a lot of coaches no longer have jobs. A lot of offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, other side coaches. So we're going to highlight the big teams, Robert, who no longer have a head coach. And I'm going to ask you which former head coach, which coordinator, which college coach, even if you're like a Jeff Saturday and you're an ESPN analyst, 
Who should these teams target in their head coaching search? Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, and we will start with the team we were just talking about, the Houston Texans. They will be looking for their fourth coach in as many years, Robert. Who should they look for? You know, there's I, – I have a feeling that you need a whole new mindset as to what you want to do to run this uh, – run this – everything, not from, from the top down. And, and I think that if you want to look at success, go and take a look at what teams are doing year in and year out, no matter what's the injury, no matter who's gone from free agency. I'm going to mention his name one more time, and I, I want to see this man moved, get the permission, and give him the job, Eric Bieniemy. He is my number one. T- I want him signed first, long-term, give him the opportunity to do exactly what he's best at, and that's run this offense that he's been doing here in, in Kansas City. And I, I want to see him with a job. And I think that Houston would be a really, really great start where you got to give him, you know, the, the ability to build, you know, obviously they've got a long way to go, but I think that Eric B can take everything that he learned from that coaching tree and bring it to Houston most successfully and more than anybody. So for Houston, I don't think you need a recycled coach. I, I thought the Lovey Smith hire last year was was not good. I and it, it kind of proved me right. So you yes. need to go with a young, hungry coordinator who hasn't had head coaching experience yet. And I think they need to be offensive minded. I agree with you with Eric Banami. The other guy I was thinking of was Kellen Moore of the Dallas Cowboys because he's worked wonders with every quarterback that he's worked with. We saw what Cooper Rush was able to do with the Cowboys when they were out. So I think Kellen Moore should be at the top of their list as well. All right, let's go to the next team, the Indianapolis Colts. I know Jeff Saturday will probably still be vouching for his job. I think it would be an error to give him it, but what do I know? Anyway, Robert, (laughs) what coach should the Indianapolis Colts hire? They need anybody, anybody other than the mess that they just went through. Um, so let's go down maybe the defensive side because that's the one that when I take a look at the Colts season, the first thing that jumps out is, man, they they just couldn't get it right defensively. They were really torched uh Really, really significantly in, in, in many, many games. Uh, so how about either Raheem Morris or Dan Quinn? Both are very good choices. I agree with you. I don't think they need someone. I think they need an older presence. I don't think they need a young, hungry coordinator. I think they need someone to really come in the room with discipline. It's not a frat party. Like I think Jeff Saturday approached it. So those are two very good options. I think if I was going to throw another name in the hat, I hate to say it because he's our defensive coordinator, but how about giving Wink Martindale a shot, Robert? Yeah, that's, that's fair too. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I think that you need also someone that could relate to the clubhouse. Yeah. And so though all, all three of those would probably be a great, great start for the Colts. I agree. Let's move on to the Carolina Panthers, who did quite well when Steve Wilkes took over. Do you think that they should hire another head coach, Robert, or you think they should see, stay with Steve Wilkes? Great. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Please rubber stamp that right now. Give it to Wilkes. He he did an incredible, made absolute a, a gorgeous bowl of chicken salad with a ton of chicken shit. Yeah, I agree with you. Nothing else to say there. How about the Denver Broncos, Robert? Who should they hire as their next head coach? This is one where I think they got to just open up the vault and and do it. Um, let's go with Peyton here. Yeah, Sean Payton. My choice as well. I think that he Sean Payton's going to look to come in this league with a veteran quarterback. I don't think he's he's ready to develop a young guy. We saw him take on Drew Brees, who was already a few years into this league. Yeah. I think that he 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 want. I think the idea of working with Russell Wilson intrigues him. I think he knows he already has one of the top defensive in the league. He can concentrate on the offense. So I agree with you, Sean Payton, number one. All right, and finally, we just received the hottest news of the day so far that Cliff Kingsbury 
his hot seat is on fire and <laughs> he is no longer that coach. So the Arizona Cardinals, Robert, <laughs> they hire as head coach. <laughs> so torched. Well, okay. So now the question becomes, are, are we going to go with Kyler Murray? Uh, or are we going to just gut everything there because it's all just one, you know, steaming, heaping pile. It's, it's all very, very bad. Uh, I'm going to go with, yes, let's stick with, let's stick with Kyler Murray. And, and I, I want to give that because if you're, if you're done with Kingsbury, which you are, uh, then let, let's see what some other OC can do with, with Kyler Murray. So I'm going to go back to the name we mentioned at the top that you mentioned at the top. Uh, Kellen Moore would be a very good fit. Uh, heck, I mean, again, him, the enemy, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get off that train until I see him hired as an offensive, uh, offensive minded head coach. Um, hey, how about Brian Callahan? Can we, can we draw him out of Cincinnati? That's a, that's a very good one to, I was also going to say, um, I can't, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but the head, the, the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, I don't think would be a bad choice as well. Uh, I, I think, oh my God, that's right. Um, yeah, what he did with Stane, uh, Shane Sykin. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What he did with Jalen Hurts was remarkable. Jalen Hurts, I, I think he, him and Kyler Murray are comparable with how they run. I think that would be a very good fit. Oh my God, I compl- you're absolutely right, Ali. I, that's that should be uh, a number one target. You're right. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next the next and final segment. It is our favorite one of the week. That is buy or sell. Robert, these Yay. are all playoff related. Are you ready? <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wait a second. Give me some buy or sell. Here it is. Let's do it. All right. Buy or sell. The Cowboys will lose to the Bucks in the wild card round. I'm buying. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think Tampa's got this one. And I know it's insane because this team couldn't win. But. I think I see a healthy Werfs, and I think that means the world. Uh, and I think Tampa is going to be able to control the ball. Yes, the Cowboys are going to lose to the Bucks in the wild card round. Robert, can you believe that Dak Prescott leads the league in interceptions in <laughs> four games? <laughs> no, and, but it's a fact. I'm looking right at it. How is this team 12 and 5? I, I, I've been saying I thought that the Cowboys were overrated all year. I think that even though in a regular season game, I would probably take them against the Bucks. All goes out the window in the playoffs. We've seen year after year, Aaron Rodgers will be the first one to tell you how Mike McCarthy just chokes when it comes to coaching in big games. I think this is one of my favorite picks of the week. I love yes. the Bucks coming up, and we'll talk more about that this week as well. Absolutely. All right, next one. Buy or sell, Robert. There will be two or more division winners that lose on Wild Card Weekend. Okay. Uh I see one. I'm looking at one. I'm not gonna say it yet. I'll save that for the next episode. And mm, no, I'm gonna sell. I will sell this one. I'll explain more on Wednesday, but just pouring over my my numbers and my and my power ranks and you know, freshening up due to injuries, I will say no, I will sell. I'm going to buy. I'm going to say at least two teams win. I think you and I are in agreement on the one that we'll talk about later. <laughs> and I think in the other one that I'm saying, yes, with my bias will kind of come into play here, but I'll talk more about that. Why it's not <laughs> okay. next week. Great, great. All right. Next one, Robert. Buy or sell. Neither number one seed will reach the Super Bowl. Ooh, that's like a triple negative. Hold on. Let me, let me break that down. Neither number one seed. Will reach the Super Bowl. Uh, nope, I'm selling. I will sell. I'm gonna buy. I <laughs> the Eagles are gonna get there. I, I think that this is the Niners conference. Jalen Hurts didn't look particularly impressive yesterday against the backup squad no. of the the New York Giants. I think now that let's let's not forget the Eagles have had a very easy schedule all season. I think having to go up against the teams like the Niners. The Bucks, even, I think that that might pose some difficulties. So I'm going to say no for the NFC and the AFC. I'm still riding high on my Bengals. So I'm going to say I'm going to buy this one. Neither number one seed will be. 
<laughs> Excellent. All right, next one, Robert. Buy or sell? At least one wildcard team will re- will reach the conference championship. I'm I'm okay. I'm buying this hard. I'm buying this for myself, and I'm buying a full share for you as well. All right, I agree with you too. We won't, I won't do <laughs> yet, but, but I will say that I can see one team making the conference championship. I won't say an AFC or NFC, but there definitely will be a wild card team in there. All right, next one and the final one, Robert. By yourself, for the first time ever, a Mr. Irrelevant will start the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, <laughs> I see what you did here. Okay, so because this is a, a, a correlated parlay, I unfortunately have to sell. I, I, this is a great question, uh, but I've, I've kind of painted myself into the corner and the paint's still wet, so I have to sell this one. <laughs> I'm going to buy. I, I told you, I'm all, all, all in for the Niners making the Super Bowl. I think that this is the first time we're going to see a quarterback that is Mr. Irrelevant start the Super Bowl, and then we'll have a great offseason of wondering what the 49ers should yes. do with Trey Lance, Brock Purdy. So yes. we have a fun one. All right. Well, Rob, we're not going to talk for hours, but that is all the time we have for today. We will be back Wednesday and Thursday this week. We will have an AFC devoted episode and an NFC devoted episode. Six great games on this on the slate this week. So I can't wait. Robert, before we head out, any last thoughts or words for the audience? Hey, yeah, we got a champion that we have to declare tonight in college. Uh, so TCU and Georgia. Uh, Ali, right now, I really thought that my line was going to be good when I put Georgia up as only a 12-point favorite. But here we are looking at 13s and 13 and a halfs. You're going to lay or you're going to take the points here? Uh, surprisingly, I'm going to lay. And I love taking points. I think that the win the TCU had over Michigan, I think too many people are magnifying that. I think Georgia is far better than any other team. I know they had a close call against Ohio State. If anything, that was the wake-up call they needed. I'm going to ride the Stetson Bennett train, so I am laying the points. I think that this this championship game is going to be a blowout, as we've seen many in the past few seasons, so I'm laying the points here. How about you? Okay, great. So I'm here uh, honking the frogs. Uh, I actually think that we're going to see one of the better offensive games that we've seen. Uh, I mean, it's kind of tough to beat last weekend's incredible semi. Uh, was it last weekend? Yeah, it was the weekend before, depending on the timing. But look, I think that we're going to see some great, great, really great connections. Uh, you know, from from Duggan on TCU. I think the game will be a lot closer than people expected. As a matter of fact, I think Georgia's going to have to come from behind, like wow. they did in their semi, to win this game. So, I will say, uh, I think that the first TCU plus the points in the first half will probably be a good play. Agree. And agree. Runs away in the second half. Uh, I, I, I think Georgia gets the championship here, but I think they're going to have to do it in a uh, very uncomfortable position. They're going to have to come scratching and clawing their way to win this title. Uh, here's to a fun, healthy, exciting championship game tonight. Tune well, in, everybody. I hope for that as well, because I do like to see close games. So I won't be betting the game, but if I'm going to pick, I would still lay the points with Georgia, and I would totally – take the over as well. Well, everyone, we will see you this week and take care.